All right, good morning, church. He is risen. Yes, he is. We are so excited you have joined us for worship this morning. We are excited to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To start worship off this morning, the praise team would like to sing a song for you. It's called Mercy Tree.
Hope has a name.
Amen. All right, would you be seated? And our brother Tom is going to have a special for us now. Has 
uh, 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy, ran, ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, said, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they will see, it, see me. Matthew 28 is the text we've chosen this morning to uplift, to glorify and put a spotlight on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last week, if you remember, we, in, in so to speak terms, we left Jesus on the cross. Now, we don't mean to be irreverent there, but our, by design on Palm Sunday, we talked about the, his life a little bit, his death, and his burial. And one line that um, last week I kept using was, you're not going to really be able to celebrate the resurrection, get excited about the resurrection, unless you feel the impact of his death. Because his death and his resurrection is what we call, combined, is what we call the gospel, the good news. So he is risen. Oh, listen, I taught two girls that this morning. They had never really heard that before. And when I taught them, they would say it back to me. But I said, now listen, you got to say it with some heart now. You got to say it with some enthusiasm because the resurrection for us, for the believer now, is life. In fact, it's your identity. What identifies you? Well, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I, I work here, so I'm a boss, so I'm, this is my identity, this is who I am. If you're trusting in those things to define who you are, you're going to fall short. The resurrection is life, and we can only find resurrection through Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ becomes our identity, Galatians chapter 2. Ooh, I hope I get there today. We'll find out. But he is risen. That's a little bit more conviction and a little bit more excitement. I appreciate Zach reading those uh, verses this morning. Uh, last week, we asked Brandon to read, one of our uh, New Life youth leaders, and then this week, Zach. So um, we did that. I chose that for a couple reasons. One is um, because they're leaders, and they're, they get to handle the Word of God. It's, it's not something to be taken lightly. And also because I want you to see them as leaders. If you have a teenager, um, as scary as this may be, those three, I should say, are the faces that you're handing your, your uh, teenagers off to. But I trust them, so I know that you can 
as well. But be in prayer for them as they continue to learn and grow. Last week, again, we talked about Jesus Christ's death and then his burial. But think back 12 hours, 24 hours prior to Jesus Christ being on that cross. He knew at that point that he had 24 hours to live. If you had 24 hours left on this earth, this is something I want you to ponder in your own heart for a moment. If you were told today that this time tomorrow you're going to be stepping off the earth, what would you do at that time? Would you go to go see something you'd never seen before? Would you go tell somebody off that you've been waiting to really let them know? What would you do with your last 24 hours? That is a very thought-provoking question, isn't it? Maybe you think, well, I would, I would be, I mean, I got to go get my bucket list and check these things off. Jesus Christ, in his last 24 hours, chose to wash his disciples' feet. Now, he has the vantage point on one end of knowing how the story ends. We don't, but um, it still is a, a reminder for us to be about his business, isn't it? The word resurrection is used 42 times in the New Testament. 42. Raised to life again. Matthew 28 is where we are. Hopefully you brought your Bibles uh, or you can uh, have it on your phone. That's, that's fine as well. Uh, it may be on the screen, may not, but Matthew 28 is where I want us to be. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, but we're going to hunker down here in Matthew 28 pretty good as we celebrate the resurrection this morning. Matthew 28, verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, which would have been on a Saturday, as the first day of the week, which reminds us that Sunday's the first day of the week, not the last day of the week. Why do we say that? Why do we emphasize that? You'll hear me say that periodically here at Cross Point Baptist Church. Because what do we hear uh, during our work week? We want to get to the weekend. And something as simple as being reminded that Sunday is the first day of the week can flip a switch. It can flip a switch in your own mindset. We get to meet the Lord on the first day of the week. I know it must be Easter Sunday because Mike Throckmorton's wearing a suit and a tie. <laughs> on the first day of the week, beginning at dawn. So one thing, this is my favorite day of the year. I, I'll, anybody, I, I make no apologies about that. The weather can be terrible. This is still my favorite day of the year. This morning I was up, oh, 6.20 or so, before the sun was up. I always like to be up before sunup on Easter Sunday. It allows me, it'll allow you to go in your mind's eye to this scene right here of that resurrection morning. What that was like. The visual. Now we don't know the weather of that day. But we do know that it was at dawn, right? It's sunup. I love mornings anyways. I like, I like watching the sun come up. I like that. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh day. Uh, winners get up early. That's just how it is. And, um, 
Uh, but it says, at dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So Mary Squared is at the tomb that morning. Why were they there? Well, we could spend time on that. We're not going to, but it, it's just, why did they go there? He was, it was, he had already, his, he's not here. They, they knew that he had died. They knew that he was in a tomb. Well, many people, I've officiated many funerals, and even after the service or even a celebration of life maybe you'll go home for a little bit and sometimes that very same day or the next day you'll go right back to where the gravesite. sometimes that's okay to do i understand that and we could dive into why these two were there but there they were they came to the tomb in verse two i want you to pay attention watch this to the supernatural events just at the resurrection Last Sunday night, I was in with New Life. I was in with the teens, and we shared some of the supernatural events that took place at the death of Jesus Christ. Now, supernatural means beyond natural, what, what normally shouldn't happen. Now, I want us to look at really just four of the supernatural events of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, the second earthquake in two days. How many of you have ever lived through an earthquake? You felt it, felt it under your feet, the whole nine yards, a handful in here. I have a, a couple mild ones. Um, I did not like that. Um, I didn't freak out, but um, it's a little unnerving to say the least. They had two in two days. Now, I don't know the, um, the magnitude of the earthquake. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, they didn't have instruments to measure earthquakes back then. But I would say that if God was, do was orchestrating an earthquake, it would be noticeable to say the least. Why? It's supernatural. He's trying to send a message here, something that we could understand. You know, God sent his word, but we have to read it. To understand it. But sometimes he uses things beyond what's normal to gain our attention. Amen? Sure. The second earthquake in two days. And next, line of verse 2. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven. The second supernatural event is an angel came down. Oh, man, I, I, I love this one um, this line next about the earthquake and came and rolled back the stone of the door and sat on it taking a rest taking a breather i don't think he needed to rest and he sat on there on that stone to send that message but this angel descended this brings up another great conversation i love talking about angels but they're not our primary focus I think the Bible says little about angels. doesn't give us a whole lot because we would tend, I think as human beings, tend to gravitate toward angels and worship. Certain denominations do it now. But that's not the primary focus. Angels are messengers. That's how the Bible always describes them and defines them. And even when angels are approached and are recognized as angels, they go, whoa, don't worship me. They're messengers. So this angel came to send a message verbally, and I think by sitting on the stone, he sent another message as well. Verse 3, or, 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 the angel descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone in verse 2. The opening of the tomb, that was supernatural. It, took, it would have taken several soldiers, most likely, to roll this stone in place, and it was sealed by the governor himself. 
It was sealed. It had a stamp. In other words, if you break this seal, it's punishable by death. But that stone was rolled away. Some would say, well, the, the, the disciples probably did it in the middle of the night. The disciples were hiding. They were gone. And it would have taken several strong individuals, if they could, to even move that stone. But there was the opening of the tomb. And then, of course, the resurrection. He came, rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And look at what it says in verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. Supernatural. Now, I want to take a moment and share the implications if Christ did not resurrect. If he had not risen from the dead. Listen, the whole gospel message falls apart. If he did not rise from the dead, you don't have life today. You don't have eternal life. You would be groping about trying to work your way through some kind of Old Testament sacrificial system. Or, or you'd be working your way to make sure your good outweighs your bad. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ does not happen, the whole thing falls apart. His gig is up. I love this. Think about this. You can't really refute that Christ was here. Outside the Bible, historians will show you that a guy named Jesus was on this earth. We probably wouldn't argue with each other that anybody who was ever on this earth has died. Nobody lives forever. We don't, not in these bodies and in this state. So we, we can see that a guy named Jesus was here, and we can see that he, he died. We, I don't think we we're going to, they couldn't freeze the body back then and bring him back years later. That, that, that was out of the question. But the resurrection. Well, we haven't seen that. We, in, in our medical, where we are right now, we have great advances, but we can't bring somebody back from the dead. Not when they're being dead, dead. Now, we've had people, we've had people in the medical field right here where they have, uh, uh, we have ways of bringing them back. Adrenaline shots and shocks for the body to, to, to jumpstart the heart to get it going again. But Christ was in the tomb. How long? Three. He was dead, dead. The body's, you're not, you're not bringing that one back. You're not throwing CPR on this one. He was dead. If the resurrection doesn't happen, the whole thing, your gig's up. The implications to his person. Look back with me in just a couple chapters, Matthew 20. Matthew 20, then we'll go back to 28. Keep your finger in 28 there. I'm encouraged this morning to hear all the Bible pages turning. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 19. The implications if Christ did not rise from the dead, the implications to his person, it would make him a liar. Christ would be the liar. He predicted his death numerous times. Here's one in Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus is speaking, I know because it's in red letters. And it says, And delivered him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. Guess what? He, he, he predicted all of those things right. That's exactly what happened. And the third day he will rise again. They have these words. 
And it's exactly as Christ said it would be is how it happened. If he didn't rise from the dead, he's a liar. He's just a liar. It, 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 the whole thing's over. The resurrection makes him a true prophet. How about the implications if he did not rise from the dead to his work? There would be no post-resurrection ministries. You may not even think about this. Well, so he died, he rose again, it's Easter, and um, I know because there's lilies everywhere and I'm sneezing all over the place, so I, I get it. But we don't, often don't think about his post-resurrection ministries. His ministry, if he didn't rise from the dead, his ministry would have ended at his death. It would have been over. In fact, can I uh, be so bold to say this, that a lot of the world's religions really are dead religions because their prophets or their leaders are dead. None of them have claimed to have a prophet, have a Messiah, have anyone risen from the dead that is still living, save Christianity. Our Savior is an empty tomb. You don't have to make a journey to, 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 to go visit dead bones and, uh, of, of, of a religion that is actually dead within itself. You don't have to make that journey. He's alive. If he did not rise, we would not have a high priest interceding, advocating, or we wouldn't have the head of the church. People ask me all the time, they find out I'm a pastor, they say, where are you a pastor at? Cross Point Baptist Church. I, say, I always say it like this, Cross Point Baptist Church. I would do it for two reasons. One, I'm proud of our church, and two, I wanted to remember the name. I could have, I could have Cross Point Baptist Church. Well, what message did I just send? We are a church that is alive because of the resurrection, but also because I'm not the boss. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Because here's usually the follow-up question when they find out I'm a pastor. Next question is, where's your church at? Where's your church at? How many people are you running? I don't run people. I don't own the, this, this. And when they say church, they mean the building. This is the church, the people, right? The point is, Jesus Christ, post-resurrection ministry, he's still the chief cornerstone of Bible-believing churches, of which we must be. We would have, uh, there would be no person to indwell and empower the believers. Romans chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 2. Let's go there. Galatians chapter 2. Keep your finger there, Matthew. We're going right back, I think. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen, if, you, if you're going to grab a hold of the resurrection today, you're going to grab a hold of life. Ooh. Listen, if you're going to grab a hold of the resurrection today, not just hear it, if you're going to grab a hold of it, you're going to grab a hold of life today. No games. This is life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So many people live their life saying, I got the blood of Jesus all over me. And they go on and live their life any way they want to live it. Because I got the blood of Jesus, he's going to make it all better. He's going to be, he's so forgiving. And so, his mercy so broad. Let's look at what chapter 2, verse 20. When you live your life your way, you're going to end up empty, hurting, 
and the rest of the old problems that follow. But listen to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. My, me, I, my, my, my sin has been, my, my sin nature, crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ living in me as a genuine believer, and we're going back to John chapter something, it says that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the so if you grab a hold of the resurrection today, you're grabbing a hold of life. And this sound better than living a dead life? And that sound better than dead men walking and dead women walking? You grab a hold of the resurrection, you're going to grab a hold of life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, you're either going to live it in and of yourself in the flesh, or you're going to live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Are you living daily by faith and trusting in Christ with your life? The gospel message isn't a one-time event. It's something to saturate your life with. Saturate your life, and then you're going to learn that you're going to live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the implication if Christ did not resurrect to the gospel itself? Christ's death and resurrection are of the first importance. First importance. We're already drifting. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You may be thinking, man, I thought we would just come and hear a bunch of musics and a little bit of preaching and move on. I didn't know he was going to be so wound up. He's got us turning all over the place. Let the words of the resurrection, the words of the Bible, find its way to your heart today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. I didn't even plan to go here. Let's do it. Verse 3. Paul's writing here. He's saying, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, just like the Bible has said. And by the way, when he says Scripture, he's Referring to the Old Testament, by the way, not, not what we know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he really didn't have that as, as accessible as we do. Verse 4, and he was buried in that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures again. Two verses, both of them are referencing the word of God. See how important the word is? How vitally important. Verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve, the adopted one that was grafted in. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren of once. That's, that's a pretty good witness. If we, was be, if we were in a court of law, if we had one witness, one good eyewitness, sometimes that helps the case. That can seal the deal. Seen by 500 at once. 500 witnesses. Of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have passed and fallen, is what he goes on to say. The gospel is based on two essential facts. Here they are. A Savior died and a Savior lives. Isn't that so simple? Some people take the Bible and they want to make it more complicated than it really is. It's really pretty simple. He died and now he lives. You die, but you can live. That's the positive implication. What's the implication if Christ did not 
rise from the dead? To us. If Christ did not rise, then our witness is false. Our faith is, is, is weak. It's meaningless. It has no purpose. It would be actually hopeless. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look in verse 13. Sneak, sneak your eyes down to verse 13. He's, uh, Paul is making that very same point. I would say coupled with the Holy Spirit is making his very same point. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, let's, let's just park there for a minute. The resurrection is everything. Not just to this faith, not just to our brand of Jesus. The resurrection is everything to life. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and you're empty. Your faith is, is also empty. And yes, we are, we, are, we are found false witnesses of God. In other words, I'm up here in this shiny suit and in a pastel-colored shirt, just giving empty words, and we're all wasting our time. Why? Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, and whom He did not, if He did not raise whom he did not raise up, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Verse 17, and if Christ didn't rise, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You're still stuck. You're still there. Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. Without the resurrection, there's no gospel, there's no Christianity, it's just religion. It's just religion. I want to draw an application for you here. Please don't confuse, regardless of your age, your background, where you're from and all that stuff. Please don't confuse the results of salvation with, with the steps of salvation. What do I mean by that? Baptism, church attendance or church gathering, professing of the faith are not steps to salvation. They're the results of it. Those things you do after you come to Christ. Listen, we, it's hard. It is hard to raise kids in church. You know, we as parents, or maybe you, were, were raised in church and the assumption is, well, they've heard it a thousand times. Surely they're, they, they, they are saved somewhere down the line. Surely he's in there somewhere. It's hard to raise kids in church. It's hard to teach this very principle to the people that have for decades lived in this environment. That baptism, church gathering, public professing are, are necessary. That's called legalism. It's, it, these things are not necessary to salvation. They're the product of it. They're the product of it. They're vitally important. But if you, if you don't know Christ, it's just empty religious exercises. There's one step, and it's faith in Jesus the Christ as Savior. Within this step... The words repentance, believe, and follow, they are implied and applied. The biblical mandate isn't accept him into your life, 
the biblical mandate is to repent, believe, and follow. I think I'll conclude there with the preaching this morning. The, the, what I want to leave you with, the thought I want to leave you with, again, we're celebrating the rest of our time. As the praise team is going, team's going to be coming up, you're going to be hearing songs of celebration. In, in, join in. Enjoy when it's called for. Because we owe a debt that we could not pay. Very few people that I know of are debt-free. Speaking financially. But, man, when you talk to them and meet them, they're, you see the relief in their life. We all owe a sin debt. We're not debt-free unless Christ has paid that debt. Then you get that stamp paid in full for your sin and for your life. He's the resurrection and the life. Embrace the resurrection today. We asked you to embrace the cross last week. Embrace his resurrection today. I know it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to get your arms around this whole thought of resurrection and what it means. We, we want to do something, but there's nothing to do. It's called grace. We take that wanting to do something effort and just give him our focused attention. That's what we do with it. And that's what we want to do now. I've been saying for almost a year now, every Sunday or Wednesday or whenever we meet online, Facebook, and so many people have done that this morning even. If you need a leader, a pastor, you need to reach out to them. Reach out. They would love to spend time with you. Do not keep going through life guessing and groping. You don't need to do that. Not when we have definite answers from the Word of God. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? As the praise team comes and gets in place to continue our celebration, we want to be mindful of the fact that we're here on purpose. Dear God, take this moment and make it yours. Every moment's yours anyways. We, we want to willingly give you our attention. My hope and prayer is that we all get to leave here smiling today. Yeah, we probably have work to do, sure. We got areas of our life that we got to go to work on and turn back over to you, sure. But may we leave here smiling today, focusing on your resurrection, because you've given us hope. There is no other hope apart from you. You be our God and we'll be your people. I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
to heaven's sweet embrace. I'll see your scars, your open arms, the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I'll lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, fear, where is your power? We continue our worship this morning. The praise team has one last song we'd like to sing for you. In our final two songs, we would encourage you to uh, stand and sing with us. Uh, praise team would like to sing a song. It's called Forever.
you stand and worship with us this morning. We pray that this morning as we celebrate together the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that that excitement, that fact and history that grounds our life, that is the center stake of our life, that it will translate to us singing as we praise him, as we sing because he lives.
He is risen. What a beautiful song to conclude our Easter service today. I want you to celebrate today. Celebrate. Find a way of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we also, uh, those that are uh, interested, we don't have one for everybody, but if you are interested in a lily, feel free to come up here and we'll, we'll give you one. But you are dismissed remembering He is risen. He is risen indeed. You are dismissed.